Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty. Ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hey, we're getting close to the start of the NBA Finals. One team has already qualified, the Denver Nuggets, sweeping LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers out of the Western Conference Finals. We're coming at you on a Thursday evening. The Miami Heat trying to get a clinching win over the Boston Celtics. Game five in Boston this evening. And we got a very special guest coming up. The Hall of Famer, Stacey's former teammate, six-time champion with the Chicago Bulls, Scottie Pippen, is going to join us in just a bit. But first of all, we'll get take you through the playoffs. And a, an interesting story that we saw today uh, over the New York media. Did you see this one, Stacey? Uh, Michael Scotto out in New York on a podcast saying that, that Derrick Rose might be a perfect option for the Bulls at point guard because he has a $15.6 million option with the Knicks, which they're obviously going to decline, which puts Derrick into free agency. He's probably not going to be demanding a huge contract and might be a nice placeholder until the Bulls can come up with a permanent solution at the point guard spot. Okay, America. Did I not say this weeks ago? Absolutely, yeah. So somebody must be listening to the podcast to get that information. I said this three weeks ago, maybe even longer than that. I'd have to go back and look what episode it was, but I said that he would be a viable option as a point guard mm-hmm. until the Bulls were able to get Lonzo Ball back healthy. He's the best point guard. He'd be the best point guard on the roster. Yeah, and the thing is, it wouldn't cost you a lot of money, and Derek has an interest in finishing his career in Chicago. And it makes sense. You know, not only can he still play, he can really contribute to a team, help your younger players. Uh, he's going to be a ticket sale. I mean, people will, will line up to see him come back here and play and maybe finish his career like he should have done in the first place. Derek became somewhat of a polarizing figure near the end of his bull stint. Obviously, some people really loved the fact that he was a hometown kid. He was battling back from injury. And then others thought that he overstayed his welcome and said some some things in the media that were unfortunate. 
but this this is a this is a good guy, and he wants he wants to finish his career. I mean, the the thing that would make him the happiest was to be part of a big winner in Chicago. Well, and unfortunately, he was he was vilified when he was here. Let's be honest. I mean, the kid did nothing to deserve the treatment that he got when he was here. People turned on him. I mean, the kid came out here. He was the youngest MVP. He was born over here on, on, on in Chicago, came up through, you know, un, you know, really tough circumstances to make something out of himself. And because he gets hurt, you know, and people question his toughness, people question his desire to play. Uh, you know, Derek was never really a media guy anyway. He didn't, he wasn't comfortable talking. And when a person is not comfortable talking, sometimes people attack that person. And then that person is not comfortable responding to certain things. And the way they did that kid was, was an injustice. And he didn't have anybody backing him up. And it was sad. I mean, people who know him personally, like myself, um, the kid never says a bad word about a teammate. He's a great teammate. People complained about him not recruiting other players here. Um, you know, he took a beating when he was here. And then when he was hurt, you know, it, it wasn't like Mark, he walked out there and said, hey, I'm going to tear my ACL up today in a playoff game. <laughs> right. Because I, I don't want to play. I want load management. I'm going to tear my other, uh, um, you know, meniscus. knee up. You know, my meniscus on my left knee. I'm trying to get hurt. That was never his call. I mean, you go back to when he got hurt. You know, if you want to point fingers, you get to point fingers at Thibodeau because he should not have been in those game in that game in the situation, that playoff game against Philadelphia when we were up 13 and 14 in the fourth quarter. No way he should have been out there. So he got vilified when he was here. And I, I hope, I hope that the people who did that recognize they were wrong. And when that kid, if he's able to come back here, uh, welcome him back. Be, be, be stand-up people. You talk, you know, talk shit about him. You know, dogged him out. Be, be honest. I mean, since he's left here. Minnesota, he had a 56-point game. He's averaged double figures since he's left here. He may not be the high-flying Derrick Rose that we saw, but he has turned himself into a point guard, which would that's what everybody wanted when he was here. Mm -hmm. We need him to be more of a point guard, not a scoring point guard. So now he's a point guard. And now you're saying, well, he's not athletic. He's not jumping over people. Make your mind up. Well, you should refer to the uh, documentary that you were a big part of, filmed right here in this room. Yes, it was. I mean, it really tells a story, and there's a very poignant scene in there where he's talking to BJ and getting traded, and uh, yeah. just how emotional he was, and it, it really hits you. He did not want to leave. No, he didn't. And, again, he wanted to retire bull. You know, a lot of these guys who were here, Luol Dane, Joakim Noah, see Joakim Noah back, they want to retire bulls. They love this city. They love what it represents when you put that bulls jersey on. I wish some of our guys now would understand the importance of that. Um and hopefully they're able to work it out because I'm sure Derek, if he has his, his, you know, how he feels about it, I'm sure he's not, it's not about the money with him. You know, Derek's happy. Derek's made a lot of money in his career. It's not about the money. So I'm sure they'll be able to work some kind of deal to bring him back and it'd be good for the organization. It'd be good for the city of Chicago and he can still play. He can still play. There were reports a couple of years ago when Derek was last a free agent that uh, AK had reached out to BJ Armstrong, who's his representative, about possibly a return at that point. But Derek was coming off a really strong playoff run with the Knicks, and they chose to re-sign him at a pretty high number. Now the circumstances are completely different. I guess the question for Bulls fans is, at 34, is is he a fit? You know, you've got Kobe White, you've got Ayo DeSumo, who are both restricted free agents. Patrick Beverly, a Chicago native who did a nice job here, probably has priced himself out of the market by saying he wants 13 to 15 million to return. And then you've still got Alex Caruso on the roster, who's not really a point guard, but does get some minutes there. So there's a bit of a glut there. Would Derek be a fit roster wise? Why wouldn't he? 
I mean, honestly, why wouldn't he? He's he's better. He's a better point guard than anybody we have on our team. That's not Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. He can get guys. He can he can push the pace. He can score at will. He can still get to the basket. He's still one of the fastest guards in the league. People tend to forget how good this kid has been over the last five years coming in, playing. The, the two years ago, if he doesn't play the way he's playing, New York doesn't make the playoffs. Right. Okay, so then he got hurt last year where New York didn't make the playoffs. They were playing – their bench was playing better than their starters, and he was leading that bench charge. So Derrick Rose still – I'm always going to be repping Derrick Rose. I'm sorry. America, can't say nothing wrong to Derrick Rose to me. Yeah. So if we got to – if the Bulls have a chance to get him – I'm sure they're going to look at every option. You know, shooting's a priority for them right now. They've got some other holes to fill. But if you don't know Lonzo Ball's situation and you don't have to go spend a lot of money on a point guard that you know is a serviceable point guard, they can go out there and do Listen, not taking anything away from Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly's up there in age, too. Right. If Patrick Beverly can come in here and play a role, which he played very well, why can't Derrick Rose? It's going to be one of the interesting stories to watch as we hit free agency coming up at the start of July. Let's talk about what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers knocked out in four straight, and I thought Denver played exceptionally well throughout the series. You've been talking highly about the Nuggets throughout the season, but that Jokic, man, he's a, he is a bad man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. He's not pretty. Right. I told you, if, if you walked into, you had a pickup game at the YMCA <laughs> and he was there, he would be the last pick. Somebody might pick him early because of his size. Right. Like I said, the big fella just I'll take rebound the big and guy, block yeah. shots. But if you watch him warm up and run around, you're like, nah, I'm going to take Mike, the plumber. <laughs> I'm going to take, you know, John, the electrician. I'm not going to take that guy. He doesn't like he can yeah. move and chew bubble gum at the same time. But I'm telling you, he is highly skilled. The things that he has done to get himself to be this elite player. Denver has been good for five years. And one thing this to, to, you know, kind of piggyback what they're doing and what Chicago is trying to do, what AK is trying to do. AK comes from Denver. Okay. The continuity that they have in Denver, long-term coach, I think eight years. Jokic, I think has been there five years. Uh, Murray's been there. All these guys have only played for Malone. Right. Okay, there hasn't been a, a coaching change where you're getting three or four coaches. There has been stability at the coaching level, stability in the front office. Your stars have stability. You've added some other players now who've been multiple years playing under Malone. That means something. So that's why I'm saying, you know, don't write off on the Bulls when they talk about running it back. AK's, AK comes from that system, so he knows about trying to get continuity, trying to get guys to play together more than one or two years. What'd you make of LeBron James' comments after the elimination? Now, he was fantastic in that last game. He almost had a triple-double. I think it was 40-10-9, and nine, and he had 31 points in the first half. I think he ran out of gas because he expended so much energy trying to carry him in that first half. But the Lakers did get swept four in a row. And the funny thing was, the comment that got all the play was about, I've got a lot to think about, personally, about my basketball future. That was volunteered. Nobody asked him that question. It was just exactly. as he was getting ready to leave the podium. I mean, he has become the king of drama, and he wanted to make sure he was going to dominate the headlines after getting swept four straight by Denver. Everybody, he knew everybody the next day was going to be talking about, oh, LeBron said he might yes. retire. And, I saw, and they have not talked about the Denver Nuggets yeah. sweeping them. Yeah. Okay? And this is why Le- Le- LeBron James rubs people the wrong way. Okay? First of all, that's not a comment you're going to make after losing – fork straight to a Denver Nugget team. That's something you can say, I'm going to take some time off. Yeah. Let me, you know, go on vacation with my family. 
sit down and think if I really want to come back. But that was one of those comments like, hey, look at me. Look, we yeah. just got swept. I'm going home early. I'm one, two, three, Cancun. I'm going on a Cancun cruise line. Uh, I want to be the biggest story. And it's and, and that's all anyone's talked about since that yeah. game. And it's taken, it's taken away from the Miami Heat Celtic series. It's taken away from what Denver did and how they played in the Western Conference, how they went in and dominated the Los Angeles Lakers at home in must-win games. This is why it rubs people the wrong way with LeBron. And you saw who was sitting courtside, probably with LeBron's seats, was Kyrie Irving. So that's the next power play he's going to make is he's going to go to Rob Palenka and say, well, you better bring Kyrie Irving in or I might retire. (sighs) (laughs) The franchise destroyer, Kyrie Irving. Listen, (laughs) and I I like Kyrie, okay? He's a great player, great talent. It's taken Kyrie about four or five years to realize that he's not the number one guy. Mm -hmm. But then he still doesn't realize that. He still thinks he's the number one guy. So there's part of him that knows he's not a number one guy. He would would prefer to play with a Durant, a LeBron. But then when he gets on the team with those guys, he now wants to be the number one guy. And that's why you have problems. You went over. How can you not play with Luca? I know. And they need. That didn't work at all. They need a second guy. Yeah. He could be that one A guy. How can you not play with Luca? So Dallas is like, wow, this is an experiment that failed. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark Cuban's on Shark Tank right now. Yeah. He's looking for. Uh, He's trying to uh, sell uh, that idea. Sell, sell, sell. Get it out of here. I don't want to buy it. But yeah, they, I mean. I don't, I mean, well, a talented guy, yeah. but a guy that messes up locker rooms. He's starting to become, you're starting to see a trend here. Everywhere he goes, it's like pig pen, you know, on, 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 the, <laughs> on the peanuts. You know, you got that dust trail. Yeah. It's yeah. Everywhere he goes, flies, everything. <laughs> this is him. There's there's always drama every place he goes. And, you know, in the beginning, you could say, well, maybe it was LeBron. He was too hard to play with. LeBron was too demanding for a young player, yada, yada, yada. Boston, he was the main guy with young players, Jalen Brown and Tatum. Couldn't get along in there. Got rid of him there. Went to Brooklyn. You know, boom, couldn't get along there. James Harden had to leave. You know, so, and Luka, you can't play with Luka. So, it's like, oh, man. So, you now you want to go back and play with LeBron? Good luck to you, buddy. The other name being bandied about is Trey Young, who may be on his on the move out of Atlanta, and I don't see that fit real well either on the Lakers with LeBron. I, I would take I would take Trey Young. If, if I was had to take the two, I would take uh, Trey Young because Trey Young can play without, you know, off the ball. You'd have to because LeBron's yeah. always walking yeah. it up the uh, court. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, man. They, they've they got some problems because whoever they bring in, they the coach, Darvin Ham. Okay, my biggest thing with Darvin Ham was a lot of these coaches, I don't think they've ever heard the word adjustment. I think they go in with a game plan and say, we're going we're gonna to force this to work. We're going to make it work. Okay, after about game two of that series, some should have told you, you know, we might want to start bringing some big guys in here and put them on Jokic and start trying to wear them down a little bit. Right. Mo Bamba, whoever else is on the bench. I mean, go dust off Kareem. Go do, I mean, go bring, <laughs> you know, go, go, go get, you know, James Edwards. Go get whoever yeah. you need to get. John Sally. Kurt Ramos has six Kurt fouls. Kurt Ramos, yeah, he's got six <laughs> fouls, you know. But st- run some different bigs at him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead of trying to switch with smaller guys, uh, you know, oh, he's not going to post up. What do you do when they, when they ran a pick and roll and they switch? He went right into the post. 
Somebody be telling Big Blue said it was a simple game. <laughs> that big guy showed you what you're supposed to do when you got switches. That's why yeah. I like Jokic. Jokic don't mess around. It's like, look, I can get 40 the hard way by trying to, you know, shoot threes and all that. Or I can get 40 efficient way by going inside. Going inside, kill him. Free cheese, mouse in the house. How about the look on Anthony Davis's face when uh, Jokic beat the shot clock with that step back Larry Bird thing way over his head? Nothing but net. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Is no, just turn around, you... just turn, run down the court, Mark, slap him on the ass, and say, "That's a tough shot, Joker. Yeah. Joker, Joker, that's a tough shot." That was no, bad. But 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 again, the reason why the Lakers beat them because Denver was a better team. Denver was deeper. Darvin Ham refused. One minute he would play a guy, and the guy would play good, and then the guy would have a bad little minute, and they wouldn't play him again. Lonnie Walker. Okay. Then they benched D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo, which that, that just shows you D'Angelo Russell's out of there. Yeah. He's out of there. Because you you just you just take him out of the lineup and say it's his fault. <laughs> it's his fault. We're not we're right. not winning. We're not hitting shots. <sighs> adjustments, man. Adjustments. Learn how to make adjustments. It may not be the popular thing to do, but you have to do it. That's why you see Mike Malone. Mike Malone makes adjustments. Spolstra now has made adjustments with Miami, and so has Missoula. Missoula has made some adjustments. He's changed some things up. I'm telling you right now, if Boston wins tonight, pressure bursts pipes. One of the adjustments they made was was getting Grant Williams more involved because he kind of disappeared. Jimmy kind of embarrassed him in that one game where they went forehead to forehead. But, you know, I, I thought that was that was good hard basketball. You know, there was there was no punches thrown. You know, there was no cheap shots or anything like that. They were just going at it hard. And Grant Williams made some big shots in game four because, remember, last year he was a key to their run in the finals. Yeah. Um, you know, it still, it still goes with Brown and Tatum. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. both those guys in the fourth quarter – have to step up and deliver. Not not in the first and second, early in the game where they get going. In the fourth quarter, when the game starts to become tight and, and it's a close game, your star players have to show up. That's what makes Jimmy so good with Miami. In the fourth quarter, you can always count on him either getting to the foul line or scoring a bucket. And they're, the Boston Celtics star players have to do the same thing. Well, we started the show talking about Derrick Rose, and uh, you were – the unfortunate, I don't know if the unfortunate is the right word, but you got engaged in a little spat on Twitter with some people that wanted to blame uh, Jimmy Butler leaving Chicago on, on mismanagement by the Bulls. You want to address that topic? <laughs> America. Um, America. First, America. America. First of all, listen, I love the fans. I love, I love interacting with the fans. I love talking basketball with fans. Chicago fans are very knowledgeable, some of them, okay? <laughs> There's some of them, I, I think they're transported from Boston or from New York. They're not really true Chicago fans. They just happen to live here because their job transferred them here. So I may be talking to them. Okay. <sighs> be a fan. Sometimes you think you what you read on the internet or you're on blogs and all that stuff, and you read all these different, you know, go on to these different podcasts and all these people have supposedly these insiders. Okay. Here's the little message. If if the people don't work in the NBA and they're not coaching or they're not former coaches or former, you know, front office or around peoples, the team on a daily basis, or around the team <laughs> on a daily basis, don't listen to them because they're getting their information off of ESPN in the morning. They're mm -hmm. getting their information off of Colin Cowherd. They're getting their information off of blogs on things. And then they're putting it in their own show and then spewing it out to you. 
if I'm telling you, America, I'm not saying the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast is better than anybody else, but I am telling you that. <laughs> so if you want the truth, you want honest answers, get it from people who actually know. That's all I'm saying. Whether it be, you know, whether it be somebody like me, someone who like, you know, you see these talking heads from, you know, former coaches, Van Gundy's and all these guys who are around NBA for 35 plus years. If you're not hearing things from them, don't believe it. Don't believe it. People want to make it out like uh, like Jimmy Butler would have had this run if he had been stayed with the Bulls. And he remember, folks, he went to Minnesota, demanded a trade when he personally wanted to play for Tom Thibodeau again with the Timberwolves, but then he didn't like that after one year, forced his way out, went to Philadelphia. They made a nice run in the playoffs, but all of a sudden it was about, I want to go to Miami. I want to go to the heat culture. So he walked away from that. Now there was some talk about whether or not they chose Tobias Harris over him. That might've been a mistake by the 76ers front office, but clearly they weren't sure that Jimmy was the guy to be the co-star with Joel Embiid. But you know, Jimmy at the end of his run here, for a variety of reasons, had worn out his welcome. It yeah. wasn't a basketball, strictly a basketball decision that led to that big trade with the Timberwolves on draft night back in 2017. There was a lot of things that went into it. And, you know, to look at it six years later and say, well, Jimmy would have led the Bulls to a championship had he stayed, that's impossible to know. It, it wouldn't have happened. Because that Jimmy wasn't in that frame of mind the way he is now. Okay, that was six years ago. Jimmy mm-hmm. had just started getting, you know, fan, you know, getting an all-star caliber player. And he went from playing eight minutes a game his first year. And people don't remember this. This is <laughs> – Jimmy only played eight minutes as a rookie, okay? The Bulls went out and they brought in Bellinelli. They brought in Rip Hamilton. You still had Lou Aldang. You had a healthy Derrick Rose. I mean, you had – Really, a lot of guys Jimmy had to play behind, and that's why Jimmy wasn't getting minutes in the first place. Yes, he was drafted in the first round. 29 people, 29 teams drafted um, players in front of Jimmy. Okay, so when people criticize the Bulls, like, oh, the Bulls didn't, you know, they, they didn't know what they had. Listen, 29 teams passed on Jimmy Butler. Okay, right. that's number one. Okay, Bulls drafted him in the first round. Had the Bulls not drafted him, would he have gotten drafted in the second round? Yes, he would have. But is that guaranteed? We don't know that. Okay, so second thing, he gets playing time, all the injuries, boom. The kid worked hard. I've always said this about Jimmy Butler. Nobody works as hard as Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy was here, Jimmy wasn't loud. He wasn't boisterous. uh, He wasn't doing the things that he was doing these other places. But what Jimmy was doing was when he was here is that, you know, sometimes fame when you're not used to it, Mark, like, you know, a kid like Derrick Rose was famous from high school. He, he was famous all the way up. Everybody knew about Derrick Rose probably in middle school, okay? LeBron James was famous in high school. People knew about him in high school. No one knew about Jimmy in high school. No one knew about Jimmy and Juco, except for Buzz, you know, Buzz Williams and mm-hmm. Marquette. Yeah. Buzz, Buzz Williams and Marquette was the only school that offered Jimmy a scholarship. Jimmy went there out of junior college, you know, plays an important role on that team. He wasn't the main player because it was Jay Crowder and there was other Yeah, they players. had him at power forward. Yes. He, he wasn't yes. wasn't a scoring guard. So he wasn't a scorer. He wasn't doing those things that he did in the NBA. That was all developed here in Chicago and then beyond. So he wasn't a name player on his college team. So he comes to Chicago, first-round pick. Bulls liked him because of his defense. They felt like he was NBA-ready defensively. That's the reason why they drafted him. They didn't draft him to score. They said, we got scores. We just need guys to defend a wing that can defend multiple positions, which he can. He's always been that way. So then you get him here. 
plays eight minutes a game. Tibbet doesn't play rookies. He's struggling. He's a little frustrated, but he keeps working. He doesn't pout. He keeps working. Um, and then all these injuries come up. Light shines on him. He steps up. Now he goes to be most improved player. Awesome. No one saw that coming. No one saw that he was going to be the most improved player, but he worked himself in there. He developed, becomes the most improved player. Then what happens is, is that a little fame got to the head. Some people in the media, I'm not going to say names, but some people in the media caused a rift between inside that locker room. There was people out there saying, you know, Jimmy and Derek don't like each other. Jimmy and Derek this, Jimmy and Derek. That was never the case. Derek, Derek did nothing but show love to Jimmy Butler. A lot of things that he did, people don't know about. When Jimmy run most improved player, Derek went out and bought like a $30,000 watch to give to him. Congratulations, little bro. I'm proud of you. Boom. No one even knew about that. There was no cameras. There was no one following, you know, videotaping. It was behind the scenes and no one knows about that. So there's a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes that people don't know. But when you sit up here now, six years later and go, oh, the Bulls, the Bulls shouldn't have got rid of Jimmy. Look what the Bulls got. You got an all-star in Zach Levine. You got an all-star now in Lowry, Lowry marketing. marketing. Yeah. There was a lot of things that they got in that, in that trade that, you know, they didn't lose that trade. There was a time where everybody thought the Bulls won that trade. Sure. Yeah. Three years ago, people were saying the Bulls, they won that trade. And now that Jimmy's playing well in Miami, oh, the bullshit did this, bullshit did that. Man, come on, man. One thing that's that you got to give Jimmy a lot of credit for is he's a self-made guy. Like you talked about his history, you know, the fact that he wasn't recruited and, and he went to Marquette and play in a supporting role. I was looking at his numbers, you know, his first couple of years in the NBA, as you mentioned, he didn't play at all as a rookie because Tibbs, no, that was a stacked team and he wasn't going to play. But his field goal percentage went up every year. He, he went from 39 to 46 to, to 47 to 47. And now, you know, he's shooting close to 50 almost every year. And the thing about Jimmy that I like is that he doesn't get rushed. You watch those games in the fourth quarter. He knows exactly what he wants to do. Like all, all the great scores, he gets to his spots and he gets a good shot. And that's, and that's what you really need if you want playoff success. The one thing about Jimmy, too, is he's mentally tough yep. and he's physically tough. Okay, he's always had that, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I said, I said this the other day. I said, um, you know, if Jimmy Butler, someone made a story out of him, it would be a great story. Because I just you could I, do a movie. That's I, for sure. I just got done watching Air, you know, yeah. with the Jordan movie. And I'm like, man, that's a, that was a great movie. Because I don't think a lot of people knew how important Miss Jordan was to Michael's mm -hmm. brand. Like we all know, the people behind the yeah. scenes know, but fans didn't know. They got a chance to see that. Uh, I think Jimmy's story would be awesome. You know, kid got kicked out by, by his mother when he was 12 or 13 years old, living under a bridge, turns himself, you know, basically wheels himself into getting a scholarship through the JUCO route, uh, had to basically audition to get on the JUCO team because no one knew he didn't have any stats. He had no video, he had nothing. No one even knew about him. He gets on the JUCO team. He's able to parlay that into a scholarship, you know, to Marquette, which is a big East. And, Parlays that into being a first-round draft pick and now a superstar. And regardless of if they're able to get to the finals, and I said this on on, uh, on Mullen's show today, if on 670 score, by the way, which we're partners <laughs> with, um, I said this on the, on the score today. If Jimmy Butler is able to get Miami to the finals, I don't think they got enough to beat Denver, I'm going to be honest. But Jimmy, after this, would have to be starting to be considered a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I agree. Because his playoffs, are now, and I said this, the reason why I say this is is because you have two Jimmy Butlers, okay? You have a regular season Jimmy Butler, and then you got the playoff Jimmy Butler. The great players 
show up in the playoffs. That's where your name is made. That's where people go, oh, man, did you see what Jordan did? Did you see what Magic did? They always save their best performances when they matter the most in the playoffs. And Jimmy has done that his whole career is that he's been able to show up big in playoff series. Including shutting down Joe Missoula in college. We knew that. <laughs> West Virginia. He tried to sneak one in out of yeah, America. Right. He tried to test my knowledge over there. Joe Missoula was a point guard. They were saying West the other Virginia, night, baby. And Missoula still can't score on him. That's what they oh, were wow. saying. Wow. <laughs> That's a great line. That is a great line. That's a great line. Well, another guy you can make a movie about is uh, Scottie Pippen, coming from uh, humble beginnings in Arkansas to becoming one of the greatest NBA players of all time. We're going to visit with Scottie Pippen next on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Episode 131 of Gimme the Hot Sauce rolls on, and Stacey only gets the best guests for the show. Stace, why don't you uh, introduce our special guest here? My boy, Scotty. Pippen is in the house. <laughs> I went out and bought some digits in this this special moment. I don't even drink the brown stuff, Pip, but since you came on my show today, we went out and spent $70 <laughs> on the digits. You know, since you didn't give your boy for free and an autograph, you know, uh, I had to go out and buy. Where we buy that, Tim? Garfield's. Cause Garfield's. Because Jewel, Jewel was sold out. There sold you go. Out. But not sold out of the hot sauce yet. But yeah. that'll be next week. Yeah, that'll be next week. So I appreciate the contribution. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the contribution, King. You know, anything to help you out, Pip. Anything to put more money in your pocket. Cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> how's All the bourbon good. selling? How's it, how's it doing? It's been doing great. Uh, we're still growing it. Uh, we haven't hit all the uh, 50-plus states, but we are growing. Because Stacy's oh, uh, got his, his hot sauce in jewel stores now in the Chicago area. I know. You know, I haven't <laughs> checked it out. You know, yeah. I, I'm you know. hearing him on the air all the time talking about the hot sauce and who's got the hot sauce <laughs> and who's in the hot sauce and all that. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. You know, I'm going to have to buy it now, sucker. Guy. You're going to have to buy it now, sucker. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to have to buy it. I got to buy it now. <laughs> so, Pip. You know, we you know we 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 had Phil Jackson on last last couple of weeks ago, 
and uh, it was a good show. You know, I always try to. We had Horace on before. We had we pretty much had Cliff Levinson. We bring all the the, the you know the nineties bulls on here. So you're one of the last I, people left, baby. You, I didn't hear you say Michael Jordan. No, nah, we can't get Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. Michael, not Mike. We don't call him Michael Jordan. They call him Michael Jordan. Now, MJ too big, man. You know, he's too big after the last dance. Pit, nobody can talk to him no more. Oh yeah, well, I, I didn't. I didn't think he was giving you too much before that. <laughs> no, nah, he, you got to go through. You got to go through about a hundred people to get the MJ. Yeah, you know how that is. So, to, speaking of the last dance, oh, yeah. I know, I know, we all talked about it. A lot of the guys talked about it. Um, you know, a lot of the guys didn't. You know, we knew it came out of Michael's perspective. You know, on how the last dance was portrayed. Um, a lot of guys were like, man. A lot of people. Some people didn't get enough credit. You know, some people like yourself didn't get enough credit. What was your take on the last dance? Um, I didn't really need the the, the credit, but um, I thought that um, it was definitely something that was more geared towards uh, Michael and his perspective of how he saw the team, how he saw himself separate from the team. Um, I just thought it was really something to hype up his career to make him more relevant um, in today's world. Um, you know, if you look back at where the game is today, we're 23 years into, you know, pretty much 25 years since we won our last championship. So no one really remembers the Chicago Bulls, um, especially a lot of the kids that are now coming into the game. Uh, they weren't even watching basketball. They were barely even born. So. That was really, I felt like it was um, something that he did to sort of um, bring himself back and really give this modern day era an opportunity to see what his playing was like um, in, the, in, in the NBA. Pip, because uh, Denver swept the Lakers, ESPN all of a sudden had uh, four hours of airtime to fill. So last night... They ran the last four episodes of The Last Dance straight through. And, you know, it was, it was interesting watching that uh, final game, game six of the 98 series in Utah, the excruciating pain that you had to endure to get through those games. Looking back on it in hindsight, are you kind of amazed that you were able to get through that game and to be able to contribute uh, to a clinching win like you did? Oh, uh, yeah, I was pretty amazed. I mean, it's pretty painful for me to go back and look at it. And But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was some excruciating pain. And I don't think if I had a chance to do it over again, I would do it. Um, and secondly, if we had to go to a game seven, I wouldn't have been able to contribute. Uh, so I really sort of stuck it out in that game six, hoping that uh, we were going to be able to, close the series out there you know one of the things in the last dance you know scotty when you know we saw you in the game six and and how hard it was and as a former teammate and everybody that's played with you we all recognize that you're one of the toughest guys that we've ever played with you don't miss games you don't miss practice it takes a lot for you to actually you know miss a game or miss practice and it seemed like in that last dance that, you know, that was questioned some, you know, like, oh, he waited to have surgery this time and he didn't have surgery when, you know, whatever. And that's what I thought was really bad, a bad take, you know, to have that on there. So what was your thinking of that when that was on the last dance? Well, I, I didn't, again, 
uh, I looked at it once and I just, uh, I was a little disappointed. I was more disappointed with what the NBA did. Uh, I thought that they really uh, set all this up. They really uh, got a lot of the footage and things from the players to be able to volunteer thinking that, you know, this was supposed to be about the team and from what Phil Jackson, who was on your show, expressed to the team. And me, I was one of the leaders on it um, to allow us to have video, to follow us that season. So we, we open up a lot for the NBA to be able to deal and get into our private life. And we felt that as a team, at least I did as a leader, that from what it was expressed to me, that it would be something that would be fruitful for us as a group. But it turned out that the NBA sort of turned their backs on the players and pretty much sold the video to Michael or gave it to him. But as we all know, uh, Michael has always had a different hand inside with the league. He was always dealt with separately, differently, and however you want to break it down. So that's really what it all boiled down to at the end of the day. Well, Scotty, obviously that story of The Last Dance was told from Michael's perspective, and it was his slant on looking back on the championship years. But one of the things that came through to, as you mentioned, a lot of young people aren't familiar with the 90s Bulls, one of the things that really came through loud and clear was how how mean and cruel that Jordan could be to his teammates. I know that in talking to Stacy and so many guys on those 90s teams, they always say that Scottie Pippen was, was our favorite teammate because he was supportive and he cared about everybody on the squad. How important was that role to the success of the team where Jordan could be so heavy-handed, you were a guy who lifted the other guys up? I'll put it like this. Of all my years I played in Chicago and played with Michael, I never saw one free agent come to the Bulls and said that they want to play there with Michael. I do recall a couple of them coming there during the offseason when he retired or the two years that he was away from the game. So I say that to say this. The success of the Bulls came from a team. It didn't come from Michael Jordan. It didn't come from him being critical of other players. If anything, that discouraged players because no player wants to be talked down to, belittled, or even um, made fun of to some way. And I felt like those were all the things that were brought out uh, in that documentary. You couldn't change how he spoke to his teammate. Uh, it was on video. You couldn't change how he uh, criticized his teammates. It's on video. So to look at his character as a player, uh, none of that was driving us into winning. Yeah. So when you when you look at the six championships and and you know which one is your favorite one that you look at and say this was my favorite one. It, it, all six of them were special, but which one do you say yeah. is my my favorite one? 
I would say the first one, you know, that was, uh, you know, the what I set out for when I first came in the league. It took five years to get there. And it was uh, it was the first. And it was definitely uh, more gratifying to me. Um, obviously, playing against the Lakers made it even that much more special because I felt like we were playing against the best team, uh, the best franchise that we could play against to win a title. I mean, we couldn't play against the Boston Celtics during the Eastern Conference. So I feel like it was a, it was just a great journey. You know, we had beat all the the good teams to advance, whether they was blind cripple or crazy when we got to the finals <laughs> that don't matter we won yeah. <laughs> yeah scotty they always talk about michael's passion stuff but people forget and that could be its own documentary the passion you had i mean the iconic dunk over ewing the hurling of chairs and balls and getting ejected that was um a lot of uh, pushing and shoving and getting into it with rodman that was exciting stuff back in the day i, I loved watching that Oh, it was it was awesome. I mean, I uh, I feel like that there were there were a lot more to tell, a lot more uh, people, teammates that deserve more credit, and um, the success that we had uh, wasn't because of one individual. It wasn't because of Michael. It wasn't because of me. And it wasn't just the Michael Scotty horse or the Michael Scotty Dennis championships. Uh, you know, winning takes a group of great, dedicated guys. And that's what we we had, you know, looking back at the year I was drafted, the following year, um, I think it was Will Purdue was drafted. And then following that, I think it was Stacey and BJ, uh, Jeff Sanders and vice versa. But all those players came in with the same mindset, the same goals, the same ambition to win a championship. And it wasn't going to happen overnight. And their contribution wasn't going to stand out like an all-star. But what we did as a team, we, we worked hard. We pushed one another. We made each other better. Stacy, top pick in the draft. Uh, came to the Bulls. He didn't complain that he wasn't a starter. He didn't complain about his minutes. He played a role. And when we won those championships, it wasn't about the minutes that the King put in, but it was about the quality, the things that he did. He dedicated himself, whether it was giving up a foul, whether it was um, just focus on boxing one guy out, uh, you know, our first championships against the Lakers, that was a tough championship. Our second one was even tougher going against the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, that team had won almost 70 games that, that season. And we didn't think that we had the right matchup for them. But a lot of the preparation, the mental toughness that we had developed um, over numerous amount of seasons and just competing against each other and pushing each other. Um, I remember in that, game six in Chicago, like people had pretty much, I won't say he had given up, but he had given up on the first group. You know, he, he just didn't think we had it that night. And it was the second group that went out and really changed 
the tempo of their game, Stacey King, Bobby Hanson. But, you know, you look in the documentary and you would think that Michael took a two-minute break and sit on the bench and he came back and scored 20 points and we won a championship. That's three weeks but, in a row, Stacey, like we were counting on. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the way that the story should have been told, but it is what it is. I think um I think the the documentary told a lot more and you you couldn't hide it because it's all on video. You couldn't edit it to make it right, but it really told a story of how guys probably didn't like Michael. <laughs> more so than them was always worried about how critical he were of them. I don't think guys really had a, a big liking for him. <laughs> yeah. Go back to that 91 yeah. championship, Scotty, when we playing the Lakers and it was, it was the defensive switch switching you to magic that really kind of changed that whole series around for us to win that first championship. And a lot of people don't talk about that as much as they should, because that was a key in our eyes as teammates. That was a huge, huge switch because of your size, your length, you being able to pick up the ball full court and making magic have to damn near back it all the way down from 94 feet, which took them completely out of their sets. And then that, in my opinion, that kind of changed the series. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Uh, I think that, you know, we allowed all the hype of the Michael and Magic to build up around the NBA Finals. And, you know, we knew that Magic was a little too big, a little too strong, and that, you know, MJ was not going to be as effective on him as we needed him to be to win the series. And But as we all know, Mike, he wanted to hype as well, so... We had to go through that process, but um, he didn't allow his ego to to go too far, at least in that series. He definitely was willing to bow down and do whatever it took. Obviously, it was going to be our first championship and our first time playing in the finals. So he, he didn't want to waste no opportunities, and he had to make that adjustment. Scotty, you mentioned... Uh... Stacy and B.J. Armstrong joining the squad uh, through the 89 draft. And Stacy uh, was a big-time scorer at Oklahoma, big personality, and now he's had a huge broadcasting career after his retirement. What was uh, a young Stacy King like? Did that humor and personality come through on the bus rides and, and uh, practice areas and different, uh, different settings with the team? <laughs> wow. I mean, Stacy was kind of, you know, when he first came in, he, you know, he came in, he didn't really uh, – he didn't really uh, give all that energy and personality up. It, it took him a little while to kind of open up. And, you know, being a, a big guy, you didn't think he was so funny. But the guy was very comical. <laughs> and, I mean, he just turned out to be the damn, uh, I don't want to say the class clown, but I'll call him the team clown. <laughs> he had jokes. You couldn't, Stacey was going to clown on you. You you had to dress right or he, <laughs> he's going to clown on you. Uh, your your verbiage had to be right or he's going to clown on you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this this guy, you had to be on your P's and Q's every day. But it you, you need teammates like Stacey to 
make it fun. You know, our jobs are, are grueling. We're traveling in different climates every day. And it's just great to have the right chemistry, the right people around you just to make the season go go by fast, but also make it fun and enjoyable. And I mean, that, that group came in and they had a little chip on their shoulders. It was him, BJ and Jeff Sanders and, you know, their contribution to our team and to us winning. Um, when you hear those guys, you know, they were, they were just as important to us in winning that championship as myself or Horace or Michael. Uh, they knew what their roles were. Obviously the following season, BJ, you know, improved himself and was able to get into the lineup. But, um, you know, it was, it was a team effort and that's my belief as how the game of basketball has always been played and how it should be played. Uh, guys that go out and try to do things as an individual, um, the success is just not that, that great, you know, and I'm going to take this for an example, um, not to mess the show up, but, you know, I've been looking at, uh, Jokic and it's like, I think we've all missed out on how great this guy been the last two years. Yeah. And we look back at him and I think the last time I really focused on Jokic game was probably doing the bubble. Even though I live on the West coast, I watch a lot of West coast basketball. I just don't seem to have the liking for the Denver nuggets. And, um, but this season they've been very special. Uh, I've definitely, uh, been able to draw my eye to them a little bit more. And when I watch this guy play, I can only say like, how do the best player in basketball not get picked in a pickup game? I, I said that. <laughs> I said that. We were just talking about that. Yeah. I'm like, wow. So I see now that this is re revenge. Like it's still, it still bothers me to look out there and see that that guy is the best player in basketball. He the best player. Ain't no doubt about it. Ain't nothing you can do. And I love Embiid. I think he had a great season. But if I, if I had a vote, he would have three-peated. Yeah, I, I said the same thing, Pip. Because the one <laughs> I mean, just looking at him, I, we had this same discussion before we came on. If we oh. were in a pickup game and they said, hey, I'll take Larry the electrician, I'll take, uh, you know, Mike the plumber, yeah. and the big fellow, nah, I don't think <laughs> he can play. He'd be the last person picked. But once he's on your team, Pip, you ain't but, losing a game. You're going to win every game out there but, in the pickup game. You know what it is? They got to me. And I might put Golden State right there with them. They got one of the best offenses in the game. Yes. They play as a team. They move. They cut. You don't know who's going to score when they come down court. But then you go and you look at Phoenix. You go and you look at the Lakers. They're so predictable. They're going to put the ball in LeBron's hand. He's going to bully you down. They're going to put the ball in AD hand and they're going to try to make like Jokic catch the ball at the free throw line or right below it and it's like what y'all going to do this guy going to cut that guy going to space this guy going to space oh, y'all ain't going to stop me so he makes the game so simple and so easy and their their place is just basic <laughs> you know if you yeah. get a little guy on you you cut you stick him in the rim 
and keep my shooter space. And if they don't respect Jokic like they did at the All-Star game, then he's going to go in there and dunk on you or do whatever and get offensive rebound. Yeah, that, that's, you know, we talk about the way the game is being played now. Like you say it's so predictable. You know, a lot of isolations, a lot of pick and roll, 95% yeah. pick and roll. And the teams that that implore passing and cutting, Steve Kerr puts the split cuts in there. Steve Kerr runs, you know, reverse action off the blind pick. You know, Denver runs yeah. some variation fist side um, from the triangle in their offense, and it's still effective. I argue with people all the time, Pip, that if someone would teach the triangle, in this day and age, they they would win multiple yes. championships, multiple championships. What, I, what do you think about that? I agree, and I, you know I remember when we went ran the championship, and I mean, excuse me, the triangle, and then I remember when uh, Sacramento Wolf was running it with Pete Carrello, and he ran it from a high post standpoint. So I believe in today's game that the high post triangle would be more effective because you would get more spacing and you allow guys to be able to cut to the basket. Yeah. Where I, when we ran the triangle, it was more of a low post. And I think that it sort of clogs the the uh, the the lane a little bit. And that's why I see Jokic plays more of a high post where now guys can cut baseline and still get layups. And it gives them that spacing that they need because they're playing with the whole 50 feet of half court now and guys can shoot from 30 feet, not just from a 21 or 22 foot three point line. And it, it, but I, I, I agree. I, I think that the triangle would be very effective in today's game. Scotty, you played a long time in the league and I know one of the challenges for athletes is after the playing days are over, you know, what can you find that's meaningful that you enjoy doing? I know you've done some uh, ambassador work with the Bulls. You worked as an analyst at ESPN. What do you enjoy doing now in retirement? I enjoy sitting at home and uh, training my boys and watching their careers kind of take off. And, yeah, I tried a few different things and enjoyed a few of it, but it just wasn't something that – uh I wanted to stay with. So I really uh, find myself better being uh, an entrepreneur and spending time with, with my uh, kids. So Pip, as you know, we had, we had, we had Phil Jackson on. And um, so I think our listeners want to know, you know, you play for the guy. What's your relationship now with, with Phil? Oh man. Uh, we don't have much of a relationship, you know, uh, I haven't talked to Phil since my playing days. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think being out on the West Coast, competing against the Lakers, you know, back in the early 2000, um, it it got a little bit sour there. It was a little competitive, the Portland and Lakers thing. So our relationship, but... You know, our men feel relationship has never been strong. You know, um, I respect his coaching. Uh, he's great at what he do, but um, he's just a different kind of guy. And I just never uh, felt away from the game that uh, he was in my corner. Hey, speaking of other guys you played for, and even Scotty. With 
even even with the game, you know, I look back at my years playing with the Bulls and how things sort of ended up. Like, I just don't know if he was ever in my corner, you know. <laughs> and I say that to say him as well as Michael, just kind of how things were handled the last couple of years going through their contract, like they want one more year and this and that, you know, and I'm just sitting over there like, I don't care how many years they give you. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, so that was, you know, he just really turned sour to me his last couple of years of coaching. Not that that took anything away from me as a player or how I played the game or anything, but it was more, he became selfish. And when you're around selfish people, then things just, it, it, it really was the breakup of our team, to be honest, you know? One selfish guy on the team, another selfish guy coaching the team. It just, it was time for a divorce. Do you ever see yourself, Pip, like as the years go on, as you get older, that you, you, you know, one day speak to Phil? And how about Michael? Do you ever feel like you guys will ever, you know, rekindle, try to no, rekindle something? I don't. No. They see. You've been around Michael. You've been around Phil. And uh, I just, you know, their egos are huge. And uh, I, don't, I don't buy down to people like that. You know? Phil uh, Jackson comes from being a CBA coach. Jerry Krause gave him a chance that he had never or probably wouldn't have never received. And then he turned and shit on the guy pretty much, you know? Yeah. If anybody had a reason to be mad at Krause, it was me. <laughs> it wasn't Phil Jackson. Wasn't even Michael. You know, he... He criticizes Krauss about organizations not winning the championships. Well, that's who get the credit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think it 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 makes a lot of sense what Jerry said. I mean, it's it's hand in hand. You know, Jerry was speaking for his team, his scouting, his part of his group that really brought the team together. He wasn't talking about the people that's doing the marketing. He wasn't talking about um, the people that's downtown that's, you know, selling tickets. He said organizations win championships, which there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> that's who drafted us, right? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you nickname oh. him Crumbs, though? That's that, that's the legend that, that uh, you came up with, Crumbs uh, Cross. I did not nickname <laughs> him that, but that guy sitting in between you. Oh, don't throw me under the bus. Oh, he got me. Oh, I got to drink some digits. I got to drink some digits on that one. He always blames you, Pip. Oh, Pip, I had to take a sip of digits, baby. Call me on guard with that one, baby. I am the creator of nicknames. I am the creator of nicknames. I'm not taking credit for that one. Oh, I had to sneak that one in there. 
See what you started? Yeah, well, I'll hey. see you after the show. You get throat punched. Hey, hey, Pip, can you tell us a little bit about the, the weed packs and that, that stuff? Wait, the, the what? The, the weed packs. Oh, what you, what you need to know, baby? <laughs> Where can I get some? <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta come out to California, you know. Uh, we out in California with with that, but uh, yeah, come on out, and I can tell y'all everything you need to know about it. And <laughs> we're we're looking to bring it here to Chicago too, baby. So so it's digits it's and good. weed packs, uh, man. I'm I'm in. Yeah, yeah. We just had a a drop. We we uh, did a drop on this weekend. Uh, we dropped the triple double and we dropped the fadeaway. The fadeaway, <laughs> King, you gotta get that fadeaway, baby. <laughs> so, t- tell the listeners a little bit more about it, Pip. They they don't know what you're talking about. Oh, we talking about that cannabis, baby. No, that's what I'm talking away. about, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. baby, yeah, I'll fade away. Cannabis, you know, this is my uh, fourth um, drop. In the cannabis business, so uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's hey, pretty successful. Hey, hey, don't be don't be afraid to get your boy hook your butt <laughs> with the fade away, baby. I, <laughs> hey, I'm on, I'm on got, break. You you guys saw me playing in the '98 finals, right? So I'm I'm I'm, I'm still healing. <laughs> yeah, Stacy's hey. already had one hip replaced. He's hey, ready for the next hey, one. Hey, oh, listen, man. listen, listen, boy. Hey, listen. I got. Hey, Pip. I tell you what. Getting up in the morning, you gotta you gotta call Uber just to get to the bathroom, boy. I love. I like. I love. My hip is hey, gone, King. baby. Hey, King. I got something to tell you, boy. When you get off of air, boy, okay. you get to one of them urinals. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna go tell you on the air. No, hey, boy, that'll never happen, baby. I'll get some astronaut diapers before I do that. <laughs> I'll just be laying in bed. <laughs> is is, is Stacy peeing on himself? I got astronaut diapers on, girl. Roll back over and go to sleep. Roll back over and go to sleep, woman. <laughs> Pip, Pip, let's let, let me ask yeah. some more questions here because we get back on this basketball because people like to know these let's things, okay? It. So you, you you know Jerry Krause goes out, horse leaves, horse goes to Orlando. You guys lose to Orlando. Horses celebrating. Then they go out and go get Dennis Rodman. And all the battles that we had in the first repeat with Dennis Rodman. What was going through your mind when Jerry made that deal? Did he come and talk to you and say, you know, hey Scotty, we're thinking about bringing Dennis on? Uh yeah. I don't know if it was Jerry, Phil, and both. Yeah, asking how comfortable would I be playing with Dennis. Uh, I think at that point, the water was, you know, the the creek had dried up. You know, everything that we had did with the against the Pistons. I mean, that was what we hadn't seen the Pistons since 1991. Yeah. So, you know, all that time, time heals everything. And I think for Dennis, his career had taken a hit. To the point that, uh, you know, we obviously could use a rebounder. I was there. And, you know, horse was gone. Uh, we were we were needing a rebounder. So Dennis coming in was, uh, I embraced it. I thought it was a great move. You got more, Stace? I sure the hell do. Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay. You, it's, it's fun listening to the teammates talk. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you recognize that, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Your check's in the mail. <laughs> so, 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 Scotty, we always talk, you know, we just had Scott Williams on it. He just wrote a book. I don't know if he sent you a copy of it, Through the Fire. Um, it's a real okay. good book. He, you know, he talks about, you know, stuff that goes on. You know, a lot of times people don't know what goes on behind the curtains. You know, they just see the topical part of what pro athletes oh, go yeah. through. You know, they don't understand that we deal with adversity. We deal with deaths in families and, and, and things that happen mm-hmm. in our lives every day. Talk a little bit about things that, like, maybe fans don't understand what, what you go through on a daily basis as a superstar player. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, as a player, we get caught up in the moment. We don't try to make excuses. We don't try to pinpoint what happened or anything like that. We just keep moving. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of different things happened throughout my career. You know, I look back at the 1990, uh, year that we lost to, uh, to D- Detroit. I think it was a game seven yep. and, uh, I had, I had the migraine, you know, and at that time, um, it didn't reflect on me what I was going through, but. I lost my father this series before. Yep. And I didn't know that maybe it was something mentally was going on with me and I moved on to the next series or whatever. But I ended up getting a migraine and it became a joke. Yeah. You know, instead of, you know, just looking back and reflecting on maybe Scotty had this happen or whatever happened. It was just, everything was about basketball. Well, at some point in my life and at many points in my life, basketball is not the most important thing to me. And I'm sure you've experienced that at some point in your life that sometime the game have to take a back seat. And you have to put family and other things first, your kids or whatever. And the fans don't don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. And you don't try to give it to them so they can understand it. You just keep moving on in life. And, you know, that was that was probably one of the, the low points in my career that as I look back and I say, wow, they – they really tried to dig in on me then. Yeah, because I, I, I do was, remember that. It, I do remember that because your father passed away against, I think it was a Philadelphia 76ers series. Yeah, yeah. you missed some games in that. And I, I yeah, tell people but, all the time, yeah. Pip, they don't, I mean, listen, I was there when you had the migraine. I, I was there. I mean, you was in tears. You, you couldn't yeah. see double vision. And when so when people. Yeah, and I still, I still play most of the games. Exactly. You know. But for so anybody anybody who would, would ever question your toughness, all the guys who play with you have been on this show, have all concurred the same thing. You've always been you're considered the best teammate. When people ask yeah. me, you know who's the best teammate, who's the best guy you ever play with, I always say Scottie Pippen. Scott Williams says the same thing. BJ says the same thing. So it's not it's not something that uh, the outside people really know, but we all know. Yeah. Well. I tell you, you guys, and I forgot to even mention Scott Williams, that guy, what a good role that he played for us. I mean, uh, just an amazing guy. He had a great story. Uh, his path in life is 
truly amazing. And I definitely would love to get his book and read it. I'm sure it's uh, pretty amazing. But Scott was, uh, again, a huge contributor, uh, a different kind of guy, but uh, we knew how to deal with him. And uh, he was just special for us in a lot of ways. You mentioned how important family is for you and training your kids. How how gratifying was it to see Scotty Jr. get his shot with the Lakers? Oh, it's been amazing. You know, the time and the years that we spent together and working hard, it's always great to see your kid, you know, be able to achieve something that they set out to achieve. And, uh, you know, he's still got a lot of work ahead of him, but uh, he's definitely uh, – looking forward to the challenge and you know as a parent i'm very happy for him and i got another son coming up so i'm hoping that uh we can continue that path are you wearing all those shoes now what's that are you wearing all those shoes now from from your son <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying yeah so yeah he's modeling now for nice for all those shoes yeah. oh <laughs> nil is it nil yeah. Did he what? Is it in that? He's not in college. The younger one's still in high school, right? Yeah, I got one in high school, but I think he's talking about Scotty. Uh, yeah, yeah, Junior. Well, I'll tell you what. Scotty Junior can play. He can play. I mean, he's a true point guard. Yeah. I, I liked him at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, I, I liked him when he was in the Lakers in the preseason. He knows how to run a team. He's got a high basketball IQ. And I, I know it's just a matter of time before he gets his shot somewhere. He's tearing it up in the G League. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. I, I think yeah. this would be a good opportunity for him, especially this summer in the summer league, to go out and prove himself again. And I think that you know, the Lakers will have to make some moves to open up some opportunities to bring him up. I mean, hopefully that can happen. Okay, so you're 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 one of the top. 100 players, top 75. You're, you're always going to be at the top something, okay? Because I always say when they when they look at the great players, you know, I always consider you like the best two-way player. Like you could do so many things that people, you know, take for granted. You can guard anybody on the floor, one through five. You can play point, two, three, four, five, whatever. So you're always going to be considered that. When you're making your Mount Rushmore, you only can put four heads up there. Who are the four heads, Scottie Pippen? Not counting wow. yourself, but four heads you're going to put up there as the greatest players. The greatest will have to be, man, that's always a tough question because um, my list may be different and I don't look at players as stats. So yeah, I like Kareem. I think Kareem is one of the most remarkable and unstoppable players. Um I like Magic game. I think Magic was awesome. Uh, I would put Michael up there. Oh, uh, man. And, man, I'll probably throw Carl Malone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But, hey, I, I got some buckets there. <laughs> oh yeah, I would. Put, I, hey, listen, you be on Mount Rushmore, but we, but you, you are, you are, you're a uh, voter. You know, you got to take your your credibility out of the day. I says you said yeah. who you thought the four. If I take myself out, then I'm gonna put Le, LeBron up there. Okay. So it'll be LeBron, Michael, Magic, Kareem, and Carl Malone. So we're gonna add a head. So we're gonna have five heads. All right. Yeah, five. You got to run fair. five out for a squad. Right? Yeah, five out for a squad. So yeah. those are the five. Those are the five. Okay, that's, that's legit. That's legit. That's an honest answer. 
that's a solid. That's solid. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, you're not gonna beat that. That's team. a lot of. That's a lot of money there. That's a lot of going. <laughs> I got the top scoring Kareem. I mean LeBron. I got Kareem. I got Carl Malone. I mean, I got Michael. And I Magic, mean, yeah, that's quite a backcourt. And Magic, <laughs> like, I, I gotta have that. So, so, so here's the other question for you. Two part question. If, 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 if I was to trade any one of them off, I might trade Magic off of Kobe. But okay. yeah. Kobe's not here. So I'm gonna I'm I'm go and plug Magic in. But really, I would put Kobe out there. So, this, the second part of that question is when LeBron James is done, where does he rank as yeah. the greatest player? Because everyone considers Michael Jordan the greatest player. Where do, if LeBron not finishes, everyone, all the young people seem to be well, yeah, favoring all the, all, LeBron. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I'm gonna, I'm a, I got a way of, of scoring all this. Give us your, give us there the greatest. There is not a greatest player. I'm gonna put myself in there if you're gonna call out a greatest player. What, what makes Michael Jordan great? Because he had the media game MVPs. Jokic is great, and they didn't even put him on the motherfucking team this year. So, <laughs> I don't understand what people say makes people great because I saw a fucking two-time, should have been three-time MVP not even get picked by his peers. Wow. So I don't ever want to hear about a great fucking player unless he's winning. LeBron James is probably one of the greatest winners to ever play the game. He wins. He ain't won that many championships, but he's been in the finals. Name somebody else that can win and get to where he's got. Now, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? No. Michael Jordan probably is one of the greatest individual scores that we've ever seen, but probably not. It's probably Kareem. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to say who's the greatest player to play in the game. I didn't even see Bill Russell play. And I've never given Bill Russell any credit to his game because I've never seen him play. I've seen video clips, but I've never sit down and watched a game with Bill Russell. I've watched him play clips long enough to know if I like watching him play or not. And I can tell you, I'm not a fan of his style of play. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's not great, but I can't put him on a to be the greatest player I ever seen or the greatest winner I ever seen. Like I can do LeBron. LeBron is the greatest winner. He done got older now and he gets criticized a lot. He's never been a shot maker. He's never been the guy that's going to take the last shot. He's never been great at that. But I said this many years ago and I got criticized for it. When LeBron James leaves the game, he will be the greatest statistical player to ever play the game. Look at my point this day, probably 15 years later, because I said it when he was two, three years in the game, because he was filling up the stats every game. And so they made the comparison, who's greater, him or Michael? Like, LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. 
and there's no comparison to him. None. So, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game and one player can't do it. Like, I seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. Everybody forgot who he was. He was a player that really winning wasn't at the top of his category. It was scoring. He was going after scoring titles. It wasn't until Phil Jackson showed up. That kind of changed the menu a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that still took some time. Yeah. So But no that wasn't in the that wasn't in the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things on the documentary. Because Phil made a yeah. point. Phil made a point in the, about the documentary. You know, he said that a lot of the guys didn't get the credit they deserve, like Ron Harper and how important he was on that team. Luke Longley. You know, Luke Longley. Too. You know, uh, what did uh, did a Phil tell you that he got the credit put in his bank account? <laughs> no, oh, he didn't, didn't say that. that. He didn't say that. Oh, he got such a ching. Cha ching. You used to drop the hot sauce on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good promo commercial there. Why? Way to give me some ideas. Why? Oh, baby, two entrepreneurs. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get your digits up, baby. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm over here, ladies and gentlemen, America. I'm drinking digits right now, as you can see. I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> and we got to bring uh, Scotty back to the Forest Grove days. Ah, oh, Forest Grove. Remember, remember those yeah. games, Scotty? You you once put a dunk on me yeah. so hard it bounced off my head. I went to the wall. And uh, uh, he's done that to a lot of people. So <laughs> get, get in line, Tim. Nobody. He's done that to a lot of people. Did you not see Patrick Ewing? Okay, he's not going to remember I some know. little white kid with red hair. Most okay? people, most people get to dang. have that view. It was hey, awesome. Pip, Pip, that's his claim to fame <laughs> yeah. right there. Oh, I love it. That's his it. claim to fame. I he's got it. a picture of his wall. He, he had a person draw you up there on his <laughs> wall. Most people don't put their own poster up, but I did. <laughs> Wow. Well, I like to see that post in yeah. Patrick Ewing. There you go. No. Yeah, now, put my face on Patrick. Hey, here, here's a question I think Bulls Bulls fans want to know. Is like, okay, so Golden State 72 and 10, Bulls 72 and 10 team. Who wins that game? Come on, come on, man. We are the greatest team ever. I, I said We're that. The I, listen, you ain't gotta ever. ask me. You ain't gotta convince me. Dynasty. I I I I appreciate watching basketball because I'm a fan now. And I love listening to it. And sometimes it's best to be quiet and thought of as a food than to speak out and move the doubt. But I'm going to tell you right <laughs> here today, Golden State Warriors has had a great run. But they're nowhere in comparison to what the Bulls did in the 90s. They have yet to... We control a whole decade, bro. Yep. Like... Had MJ not left, we probably could have ran off at least two to three more titles. Thank you. Bulls, wait, wait. Thank you. Thank you. Let's Bulls, talk about Hugh Hollins. No, no. Don't had the Bulls not <laughs> broke our team up at the end, we could have probably earned one more title at least. Pip, I but, get into arguments all the time. The two titles that Houston wins, 
If MJ doesn't go play baseball, them titles don't go in Houston. They keep saying, you know, Kenny Smith and all these guys keep saying, well, y'all wouldn't have stopped the dream. Well, you're talking about regular season. We would let Dream get his, but we would have shut down everybody exactly. else. Exactly. I mean, uh, it would have been great to to see. Uh, you know, Houston had a great run, but what happened to it? It only went for two years. Exactly. Like, how, how do you... How do you see yourself beating a team that won six titles in eight years and you could only do two years in the next year like no one heard from you or no one heard from you two years before that or two years after? Exactly. I, I don't get where they think they could have beat us. But back to the Golden State, uh, they did have a great regular season. The game, they didn't win a championship. So that wasn't a great team. It don't mean a, a great thing without the ring, thing. baby. Don't mean a thing without the ring. That's it. So you, but, uh, so so I, so what would the matchups be? Because I get into arguments with these people all the time. Well, they would have shot threes on the Bulls, and they and they would have. Who's going to guard Steph Curry? Well, who's Steph Curry going to guard? Well, just looking at them a few weeks ago. They just played against the Lakers, yep. and everyone had them looking to dominate the Lakers and do all that. What happened? We're talking one year, they just come off a title. Like, I didn't see the Bulls go down like that after winning the title. Mm -hmm. Like, they got smacked by a team that was patched together at the end of the season. Mm. They were patched together. The Lakers were patched together off of trades. They just roll the dice like, hey, y'all out of here. We're going to bring in something new. We losing anyway. It don't matter. That's who took the, the champs out. It'll take more than that to take us out. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I hope the, I hope America's listening. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. because you because I mean, they get caught up, Scotty, in the, in the way this game is played, and well, the rules would be different. You know, what if they had if the Bulls had to play in these rules? Okay. Well, I mean, if the Bulls had to play in these rules where you couldn't touch them. I mean, guys, an average fifty. Hey, if we go to an expert and they look at our record and our body of work, and they look at the Golden State record and their body of work. And they see what accolades they've achieved. Who do you think they're going to say? Which team was the greatest team in basketball? Mm -hmm. There's no comparison. We got six titles hanging up in there in an eight-year span. They've been together how long now? Nine, ten years? Yep. How many do they have? Four? Yeah. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. No comparison. See, I, I like that. No comparison. Though. See, this is this is good to have, you know, someone who who knows the game. You know, I mean, even like the great Celtics and the great Lakers, the great runs that they've had, they wouldn't even compare themselves to the runs that the Bulls had. There's no comparison. Yeah, this is my my thing is my thing I've always told people is and, and you know Jerry Krause you know rest in peace Jerry Krause doesn't get a, get a lot of you know a credit you know.
to put no. two different teams, two different teams. These were two different championship teams. The only holdovers were you and MJ. Everybody else was yeah. totally different. And to take two teams to two three-peats, that man doesn't get enough credit. You know, people want to, you know, we call them, they call them crumbs and you know what, but he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Now, some of that was Jerry's fault. You know, you know, some of the things that was going on behind the scenes might have been Jerry's fault a little bit. But as far as knowing how to put a team together and, and get the right pieces, that man was one of the best. If his name was Jerry West, he'd be, you know, in the Hall of Fame. He'd be a statue built of him. He just didn't get enough of the credit. No, he didn't. But that's what happens when you got people beating you down, trying to tear you down. Mm -hmm. I won't mention any name. But... Sometimes that's, I dream. That's what happened, but he is definitely, me. <laughs> uh, definitely uh, deserve more credit, and you know everybody deserve credit. And that wasn't that wasn't done by no one individual. That wasn't, you know, Johnny Red Kerr deserved credit. You know, love big big Johnny Red. Oh yeah. So it was all a uh, collective effort. You know, whether Red was telling me. Hey, you need to take the ball to the hole or, you know, anything, any little bit of um, information that he gave me was definitely uh, a contribution to winning. Well, Pip, you've been super generous with your time. Yes, we really appreciate you joining the show. I know that uh, you're in Chicago. I'm sure you got some business to take care of. So we will we will let you run. And and Stacy was joking about making you pay for his sauce. We're going to we're going to get some out to you. I wasn't okay? joking. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get some out there. You don't speak for me, Mark. You don't speak for me. You made me pay seventy dollars for some digits. I'm gonna need like like a little residual because I'm gonna I'm gonna build it up out on the west coast. There you go. Okay, you do all new that. markets. Yeah, you do all that. Why we'll talk? Cha -ching, cha -ching, cha -ching. But I appreciate you guys having me. Stacy is always a pleasure, man. Uh, Again, I appreciate all the golden years that we spent together, my brother. I appreciate it, my brother. Let's stay in touch. Boy, we're getting old, baby. Just because we're old oh, don't yeah. mean we're cold. <laughs> 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 I'm still crazy. I don't Pip. know how y'all deal with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a challenge at times, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, well, Pip. Pip, Pip, Pip. Pip. we appreciate you great, on here, boy. Show. Thank you very much, man. Scotty Pippen, our special guest on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Scotty, enjoy your time in Chicago. Best of, best of health. Man, we got so excited talking to Scotty Pippen, we forgot to thank some of our great sponsors. Oh, uh, so we're going to do a little catch-up here in our yeah. final segment. We want to start with our good friend Jeff Vukovic. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance, our good friend, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. He's always at the United Center supporting the Chicago Bulls. I know that he enjoyed that interview with Scotty Pippen as well as all our great listeners. You can reach Jeff Vuk at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. Stacy, you got a jingle in you? Nationwide <laughs> is on your side. <laughs> Woo! Wow, a Hall of Fame edition of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Stacy raising the, the performance. The mic, yeah. Kind of a lounge there. act we got yeah. going here in the Sriracha Studios. <laughs> and Tim, you got some exciting news about the hot sauce. We were joking around about sending some to Scotty, but now people can just Hold go it. to their local jewel store. Da, 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 da. Breaking news <laughs> well, from well, Timmy kinda, Whispers. It all ties together because I had to go buy some digits today, Scotty's bourbon, and lo and behold, it was sold out. 
Well, guess what else is selling out at Jewel is is the hot sauce. That's <laughs> good. So they news. placed a reorder already to uh, restock all the stores. And um, I just want to so. thank all all of the the fans out there of my hot sauce because without you, this would not be possible. And you guys just continue to support us. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Continue to buy. Give me the hot sauce. I'm gonna tell you something. It's a shameless plug, but it's some damn good hot sauce. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> All good. flavors are good. I'm just telling you. So just make sure you go get your bottles in Jewel stores now, ladies and gentlemen. Go get it. And if you can't find it at your local Jewel store, you can always place an order at gimmethehotsauce.com. Timmy Whispers uh, pack is back there and pack it for you. Yeah, and the marketing people are talking about doing a whole like show at one of their main stores yeah. and doing a food testing and having a Ooh, chef there. Look like, forward to that. We're going to do a road trip. That's right. We might do a road trip and, and at you know, Jewel, baby. Unfortunately, we couldn't have Chris for walking here, but uh, <laughs> I, there's another time with Scotty on that. The author of, or his co-author of his autobiography is also the same guy that did Christopher Walken's autobiography. Wow. That's, that's small yeah, world. Robert Shakenberg. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a fact. Isn't that weird? What a strange small world. That. I don't know if Pip knows all that. Yeah, he's tied in with Christopher Walken as well. He didn't know it. Oh, okay. We that's were going to talk a little baseball, <laughs> but both the Cubs and White Sox are losing as I look at the scoreboard. So we'll save that for next week. Maybe yeah, they're back maybe in the win. Com. We'll, we'll, we'll do a little baseball talk next time. But we know that a lot of folks uh, like Stacy's recommendations for things to watch on television yes. series and movies. And the segment is always brought to you by Bigger's Mazda. Biggers. Their sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's signature hot sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. Mazda. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Bigger's Mazda. Tell them Stacy sent you. Take a test drive and get a free bottle of that oh, signature hot sauce. Bigger's. Hot sauce. So what do you got for the folks? This week, Stace, recommendations? Okay. The first one, the first one is from. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this show. Looks pretty creepy. Just it, look it, it's <laughs> a cross, hey, listen, it's a cross between like The Walking Dead and a vampire movie. Uh, it is an awesome show. So it's this town. It's about this, this people end up in this one town. They get, for some reason, I, they haven't figured out how they all get stuck there, but they all, you know, they drive and they, they ask for directions. Can you tell me how to get to such and such? And then they leave. Oh, they go down here about two miles away, and they come back and they end up in, in the same place. So they end up having to stay in this town. So at nighttime, these creatures come out. They come out. See that guy? See that little face right yeah, there? Yeah, it looks like you after Colt okay. 45. Wow. Okay. Come on. You know, what, you know what? That's first of all. That's first of all. First of all, you know, I, you know, you about ready to get a throw punch. Okay. Every I, week. I got some digits in me right now. Yeah. I might, I might throw, I might throw a left try, left cross. But before I was rudely interrupted by the man onto my left, that little picture, of that the little white guy, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Okay. They come out in this human form, so they can't come into any of your houses. So you don't have to lock the doors. You don't have to lock the windows. But if you invite them in. And they trick you to invite them in. They do something through your mind. They give you like this little, you know, Jedi mind trick. Like little kids. They get the little kids all the time. Hey, I'm your grandmother. Open the door. And it'll be an old lady. And the little kid go, you don't look like my grandmother. And then she'll go, but I am. And so all of a sudden, oh, no. let me in. The little girl opens the window and whack. And here comes this vampire. And what they do is they they eat you. They rip you up and eat your whole. Oh. <laughs> Sounds great. Hey, I'm saying nice listen. bedtime movie I mean, to yeah, watch. You know it. what? Listen, if you're a Walking Dead fan, yeah. if you love Walking Dead, you're going to love this show here, man. It's like it's like Lost. You remember the show yeah. Lost when yeah. they were on the island yeah. and they didn't know how to get back? It's kind of like that. I think it's from the producers of Lost because that guy right there, he was one of the characters in, in Lost. But it is a great, great show. I've been watching it. And then also, 
the movie Air. We don't have that up there because I just threw this out there just because we just got out talking to Pip. The Michael Jordan story. That is a great, great movie. Great. The funny thing Separate about that. Agent. No, the, fun, <laughs> the funny <laughs> thing about that movie is, listen, after watching Air, and I saw all the actors playing the the people. Okay, so you had Sonny Vaccaro was not Matt Damon lookalike. He didn't look nothing like Matt Damon. Uh, ben Affleck didn't look like Phil Knight. Phil Knight doesn't look like that. Uh, and David Falk sure in the hell doesn't look like the guy like him. He looked like the guy that had David Falk was playing David Falk looked like Tom Cruise. David Falk is bald as a baby's bottom. He got no hair in America. He's bald-headed. I'm going to get him on the show one of these days. He's bald-headed. But he, 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 they had him playing the guy there. So if we do a Stacey King movie, since we can let anybody play those roles, Denzel, if you're out there, you out there, Denzel. <laughs> My you man. Play, you need to play Stacey. My man. You need to come play Stacey King. Because if we can go get anybody to play, if Matt Damon can play Sonny Vaccaro, look up what Sonny Vaccaro looks like. Okay, and I like Sonny. Sonny's my guy. But he don't look like Matt Damon. He don't look nothing like He sure the hell don't like Matt Damon. But if we're going to go out and get anybody to play us, Denzel, come play me, boy. Whispers, you got anything for the folks? Uh, yeah. Well, so that sounded like it was Cocaine Grandma, that from movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie, it's a show. You know, we're, uh, Secession is wrapping up, and uh, it was back in the Ted Lasso as well. Yeah, I watched That's, both of those this week. Yeah. What okay. do you think uh, of the way Succession is ending? I, one more episode? How do they wrap all that up? There's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a hundred loose yeah. ends. I, it's, uh, maybe they're planning a movie or something after that, because um, no way, and it's... It's a tearjerker, though, isn't it? And for all the folks who are hoping for another season of Ted Lasso, I don't think so. We're not going to give anything away, but if you watch the latest episode, so they kind of set the stage for what, how that's going to end. Yeah. Really? Do you like that character they brought in, Zava? Yeah. It, I, I was laughing so hard. I mean, only, it only lasted for a couple episodes. They got rid of him. But it was great. I mean, they could do a whole episode on that guy. Could be a spinoff I mean, I mean, series. A whole you never series, know. Yeah. yeah. That would be great. Why is Ted Lasso leaving? They just, uh, it was always going to be a three-season show. See, that, you know what? This is what kills me about networks. When you got a good show, yeah. milk it as far as you can. You know, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, you could have, you know, six, seven, ten seasons of Ted Lasso. Easily. Yeah, easily. yeah darn tootin' yeah. Vladimir Putin. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm, very well done. Yeah, that's yeah, what they, Jason they, Sudeikis' yeah, they, character they, would say. Yeah, that's right. And that's what Digit says, too. When you have Digit, that's what it says. <laughs> he's, he's double-fisted now. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's got two. Things. I got passed over. <laughs> Nobody knows how dry I am. Nobody knows how dry I am. Boy. Well, Mike's waiting out to take you back, isn't he? Yeah. Hey, shout out to my man, Mike Amaroth. Mike Amaroth, you know you're listening because, you know, he just he's getting ready to go to a YouTube concert. A YouTube concert. Wendy. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to him. hit the sexy <laughs> voice, okay? Because I, I got the microphone right here. So, ladies, <laughs> ladies, ladies, don't throw your clothes at me yet, okay? Here we go. Oh, yeah. Wendy. Okay. You just ruined it. <laughs> you just ruined it. <laughs> Stop. All let right. me sing it. Okay. Let me let me let me say okay. Take, me get me off the digits. The digits got me too. Okay. <laughs> and the fadeaway. Okay. I got a little fadeaway in me. Yeah, okay. We get that. Oh, Windy City Limousine provides championship service. Making a reservation is so easy, ladies. It's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. On time. Contact us at 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. And if you're on the internet, go to windycitylimos.com and tell them nobody sent you. 
<laughs> well, we appreciate Mike uh, standing by outside, waiting to take Stacy back, and we hope that you all enjoyed our extended interview with Scotty Pippen. Scotty uh, always tells you exactly what's on his mind, so we hope you enjoyed. Honest, you always going to listen. You're always going to get raw and honesty out of Scotty Pippen. That's one reason why his teammates love him. That's why he's considered one of the best teammates ever. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't BS you. He's not going to sugarcoat things. Sometimes you're going to like what he says. Sometimes you're not. But at the end of the day. You got to remember, he's still Scottie Pippen, and he's still one of the greatest players. So put some respect on that man's name. There you go. Hey, hey one quick thing. Eric Lim just said John C. Riley is great as Jerry Buss. <laughs> wow. <laughs> John C. There's Riley. another season coming back of that. Showtime? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. How many seasons? No, it's is HBO, it? I think, isn't it? Well, no, but that's yeah, the yeah, name yeah, of the show, though. Yeah, Showtime. Isn't it called yeah, Showtime? Showtime? Yeah. 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 So how many, how many seasons is it? This will be the second one. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go. They're they gonna only went back. through like the, the first championship, I think, in, in season one. Right, right. So there's oh, plenty, okay. of, plenty there's of material to go. Well, through. You, yeah, yeah. But the the guys that got cast in those roles, Jerry West is you know like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Forty five years old, can't Come on, move. Man. Come on, man. Come on, they killing <laughs> they killing the character. That's that's when you just like they went opposite of what right. it's supposed to look like. So. Yeah, okay. It's That's a funny show. I Pat Riley. There's, there's a it's lot of that. Pat Riley. Pat Riley had, yeah. uh, what's his name? Was Pat Riley the uh, the kid, the, the big nose. Uh, right. Yeah, I can't think of the what name. What's his name? Oh, Pat yeah. Riley. Character. Adrian, Adrian yes. Broder? Or yeah. Adrian Brody. Brody. Yes. Brody. Yeah. Adrian Brody. Yeah. yeah. And Riley. Not exactly uh, Riles and Pat, like. and Pat Riley probably was like, what the? <laughs> All these years I perfected this slick back look. Yeah, and, and then you bring this guy out. And I've been looking sexy all these years, and y'all bring this dude to play me? Yeah. I'm but sorry, Pat. You got Rob, no creative control on this. <laughs> Rob Lowe's Polinka, though. It's already started. Yeah, well, oh, wow. those guys are almost yeah, uh, lost yeah. brothers. There. Yeah, doppelgangers. Yeah. yeah, doppelgangers. Yeah. everybody's. I told you, everybody's got a doppelganger. I said, Tim, you know, he's got the Mad Magazine guy. <laughs> I just saw it. I just saw it today. I was like, it looks like Timmy Whispers. Alfred E. Newman. Alfred E. Newman. Alfred E. Newman. What me worry? Oh, Lord have mercy. Hey, we want to thank the Sriracha crew. Want to welcome a new member, Ben, who's uh, running Where audio the camera for us. Get the, get the camera on the Sriracha yeah. crew. Where are we at? Come on. We got I don't LL. think we got it. Uh, oh, we got LL Cool Cool B over there. Cool, uh, yeah. He got a little bucket hat on over there. A little Francisco. Mickey Knuckles and Cisco. Mickey Knuckles and over there. We got Maddie's Maddie. got a knee injury now. She's got a knee injury. Yeah. I don't know what she was doing on her knees, but she needed oh, to come on now. Wow. <laughs> no, oh, I'm just geez. saying she might have failed. What are y'all talking? You freaks. I'm not even talking like wow. Maddie, don't let him come between us, Maddie. Wow. Maddie. I, I think we can edit that part out. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie, don't let him we come between us. We gotta go, Stacey. She might have failed. She might have failed out. I don't know. Dang, come on, you freaks. She might have need you <laughs> in the nuts. You perverts. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, We're just man. trying to stay on the air for one more show. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere, America. Drive home safely. Beep, beep. Oh my God, it's over. Windy City Assassin does it again.